something that connects all of our guests today is that they all draw on the well of Irish traditions, you know, poetry and language and dance and music and song, and they sort of use them to open a window on contemporary Ireland, which got me thinking about how we use our roots and traditions and our stories to sort of reimagine our place. And uh, with that in mind, I have been thinking about Christmas. My sisters and I would write our letters with great care, your tongue out in concentration. I would mark out each letter slowly and deliberately with seven-year-old gravitas, knowing that as soon as I had finished, my mother or father uh, would, with similar gravitas, place the letter into the fireplace and then coax the burning ash to float up the chimney and out into the dark mayo night, where it would drift and float until it reached the magical Mr. Claus. <laughs> My letter would always begin and end with the expected polite greetings, inquiring after the health of Santi and his good wife, and passing on my best wishes to Rudolph. But both Santi and I knew that it was the list sandwiched between those salutations that was the real reason that I was writing. Now, it was a short list, just three or four items, in descending order of magnitude and importance. The last item, gently but firmly insisted on by my mother, was always the same. You know, in case of supply chain problems or industrial action by the elves, <laughs> uh, she'd make sure that I wrote, or a surprise. <laughs> I suppose you could call it a get-out clause clause. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the first item on my list was also exactly the same every year. My number one, my first preference, you know, every year after checking the spelling, I would carefully write in all capitals, a gorilla suit. <laughs> For some now forgotten reason, but probably Tarzan based, I had decided that only a gorilla suit would make my Mayo life complete. Now, of course, nowadays with the internet and Amazon and the manufacturing power of a billion Chinese at his fingertips, no doubt Santi could deliver on my oddly specific hairy simian wish. But at the time, in 1970s Mayo, with only a few French elves on a work to rule and the limited options available in a Galway toy shop, my mother would explain that Santi would do his very best. But just in case, I did put down our surprise, didn't I? And I did. But every year, as stubbornly as hopefully, I wrote a gorilla suit at the top of my list. And every year, my Christmases remained stubbornly and resolutely gorilla-free. <laughs> you know, we put great store by Christmas. You can tell because, you know, we say that we're going to do it smaller next year or next year I'm going away, but we never do. And we continue to food shop as if stocking a wartime bunker and argue over who cooked it and ate it and didn't dishwash it. Whether we love it or hate it, we give it great weight and meaning. And you can tell we give it weight and meaning because we love it or hate it. We fill it with memories, fattening its significance each year as we add more. Mementos of weather and faces and silly jumpers and novelty gifts that had already broken before the sound of music came on. <laughs> like an old camera reel, we revisit our Christmas's past of songs and gins and rows and slights and hugs and tears and cuddles and sherry trifle. Of kitchen disasters and sibling rivalries, of people who couldn't make it this year, and yes, loved ones who won't make it again. We put great store by Christmas. You can tell because we argue over what it is and what it means and who gets to own it. Occasionally, a Grinch will try and steal my Christmas. You see, while I love Christmas, I am not a religious person, a fact that forces my poor mother to practice her own religion that little bit harder as she intercedes on my heathen behalf, <laughs> piling defensive decades of the rosary between me and my final reckoning. You know, my Christmas is secular. 
The very worst kind of Christmas, I'm told, as if secular is interchangeable with trite or meaningless or shallow or pointless. But it's my Christmas, and it's been my Christmas for 49 Christmases now, and my Christmas has weight and meaning for me. The weight and meaning of cross-country train journeys and last-minute shopping and neighbors popping in and out and a small dry sherry for granny. You know, four decades of mammy's plum pudding, bad cracker jokes, and keep an eye on the turkey, I'm just popping down to Mary, it's her first Christmas without Joe. The meaning of family traditions, some that predate me and others, more recent ones, that quietly and unconsciously became cherished ones without us noticing, like watching Christmas Strictly and slagging the frocks. <laughs> I like my Christmas, you know, my Christmas of friends and family and place. It's nieces and siblings and dad snoring over Harry Potter. It's another pair of gloves unwrapped and exclaimed over as if we've never seen gloves before. <laughs> it's a gin and tonic with Mrs. Guckeen next door and a squeaky bone wrapped for Penny the dog as if she cares about rapping. <laughs> it is memory, connection and nostalgia. It is a remembrance of those gone but still loved. But it's also an open door welcoming new memories, new connections and new loved ones marking the very first Christmas in this history of me and mine and ours. There isn't one Christmas. There's an infinite number of them, as many as we make, perhaps as many as we need. So, happy Christmas. Happy your Christmas to you and yours. <laughs>